Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. I hope you are doing well. Welcome to the show today. A quick plug for the book that we're going to be talking about on today's show. It's not out yet, and it's not coming out for another month or two. But if you do like what you hear from the author that we're speaking to today, you can buy her book on Amazon by pre-ordering it. So make sure that if you do enjoy today's episode, that you go and check out her book, which is coming out on March 3rd. Speaking of our guest, she is a leader, teacher, writer, and pastor's wife, and she's also an award-winning regular contributor to Christianity Today's leadership publications and has served as a contributing editor and editorial advisor for Leadership Journal, Building Church Leaders, and Gifted for Leadership. She's also a highly regarded teacher and speaker with classroom experience at Denver Seminary, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, Trinity International University, and Lancaster Bible College. Her leadership experience includes roles in church, parachurch, nonprofit, and educational context. Her latest book, I Am a Leader, When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling, releases from NAV Press in March 2020. Here is Angie Ward. Angie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really glad to be on. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions to help us to get to know you better as a leader and to give us some insight for us to apply in our own lives. So you ready for these? Yes. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I think it's that leadership flows from who you are, not from what you do. Which for me, I'm, and most leaders, we're doers and we're action-oriented and, and sometimes can neglect who we are and realize the importance of just our personhood and how that impacts our leadership. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? Teachable, humble, and a steward. A good leader is. I would qualify that. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? Uh, Going back to the leader is a steward. I think it's what and who am I responsible to steward? And that could be uh, influence, um, relationships, uh, an organization, a team, um, a vision. So asking themselves that. What is a book that you would recommend to leaders? A Failure failure of Nerve by Edwin Friedman. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Sit quietly for 10 minutes a day and not worry about doing and just and just be and and uh, sit and listen. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Who? Um, probably why not? Because the why you get to get stuck in, in paralysis of analysis. And why not? It's, it's a little more uh, action oriented, I think. I kind of, why not? It's like, what's the worst that would happen? It, it addresses like fears and stuff more than just kind of curiosity. 
Well, Angie, we are here today to talk about your book that's coming out in March called I Am a Leader, When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling. I'd love to hear from you. What was it that drew you to this topic and why did you write a book about it? Yeah, so I kind of really fell into writing this um, book. I um, had ideas from some books, but they were more about, uh, you know, doing leadership and some of my own studies with organizational culture uh, and leadership type skills. But um, I was a part of a group on Facebook a few summers ago that was uh, women leaders talking about this idea of calling and being in the church and ministry world, which is very male dominated. And this was kind of right before all the Me Too stuff happened, but there was definitely a touch to nerve to, in this group, the conversations. And so I approached the person who was coordinating a friend of mine and said, have you ever thought about, who's a writer, have you ever thought about doing a book on this? And she said, we've kind of thought about it. What do you have in mind? And I first just offered to, I said, I'd love to be a part of some project with this. And then turned into kind of a vision for what a book would look like. And I ended up uh, interviewing over 50 other women leaders for the book. And so it was really born out of my own reflection on my own journey and then talking to other women about their experiences and seeing if there were any kind of common themes and threads. And and then because it's a book for Christian uh, leaders, you know, looking what does the Bible say or not say? Uh, what does culture say? And this then how practically, like, what is this idea of calling? And then what does it look like practically lived out um, in the unique challenges that women leaders face? So you just use the term calling, and I think that's a term that a lot of us use, but we may not always be using it the same way. So what is it that you mean when you use the term calling? Well, so in the book, I, you know, I describe it as a as just simply as a God-given conviction about your life's direction. And so um, as a Christian, I think, you know, it's, it's a, a thing that comes from outside of ourselves and it's a deep conviction and then about life direction. So it has the power and potential to be truly life changing. And it's different from, it's similar to kind of, I mean, there's other words out there, purpose, vision, passions, those kind of things. And they're all kind of related, but um, I think there's a, and, and God, I think, works through all those and how he's created us and who he's made us to be. Um, but that's how I define it in the book. So there are five words that I want to talk about in the title. The first one is calling, and the next one is joy. Should people expect to feel joy in their calling? And joy, once again, is another term that we might use, but use differently. But should we expect to feel joy in our calling? Yes and no. I think if uh, if you're following your calling, sometimes it's hard, and um, it's hard work, but I think there's a a, a joy um, in kind of a deep-seated conviction, again, back to the definition of this is who I am and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so sometimes, no, it's not um, not always fun, but I think there is a, a, a joy in like I, I'm doing what I was made and and called to do. So the next word is discovery. Now, I imagine that your book is meant to help out with people's discovery of their own calling. But what I'm wondering is, is this the book that documents your own discovery? Or is it the book that you wish you had so that you could have made this discovery earlier? Yes, to both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's the one I definitely wish I wished I had. There's so many, there are so many voices that women hear. Um, I, externally and internally that um, we allow to kind of dictate, uh, well, this is what I should be or should not be or can be or cannot be. And um, so 
you know, I, in the book, I talk about my own discovery process. Like I said, I talked to other women and kind of what was their discovery. And the title, um, I know we're working backwards, but um, the title, I Am a Leader, actually comes out of kind of an aha that I had in, I would say, early early to mid-30s, where um, I finally realized why in some ways I, I didn't always quite fit with, like, traditional women's roles or expectations, especially in the church world. Uh, and being a pastor's wife. And so just realized, like, I am a leader. So this discovery of this is who I am. It's not just based on a role that I'm in or a position or a title. I mean, that that's like my abilities and my gifts and my wiring. All of that is like, I, I, I felt like I discovered who I truly was. What did that discovery look like? And what is the process that you went through there? Wow. Well, I talk about it obviously more in the book. So that's my shameless plug to read it if you want to know the rest of the story. But briefly, I started um, doing uh, working with youth uh, students, teenagers, high schooler students. And then uh, that was um, through just the seasons of life and being a, a young mom and having young boys at home. Um, season where I wasn't doing that. And I, was, and I was like, what's next? Because I went to graduate school training for a career in vocational, you know, ministry or church, church work, and wasn't having opportunity to do that and felt this internal tension between, like, I know being a mom and, you know, wife and all that is, are, need to be some of my priorities, but I never felt like that other part of me was that calling or whatever, you know, was lifted from my life to do the ministry world and kind of wrestle with, what that looked like. And so um, during this kind of, I felt sort of a wilderness season of a, about a couple of years, um, I'd just take time. My husband would come home, take the kids for an afternoon, and I'd go to Barnes, our local Barnes & Noble bookstore and just journal and kind of reflect. And so it was kind of in a process of that and looking back on my life and um, to that point and which things had brought me the most joy, as we talked about, and fulfillment and, and energy and not just productivity in terms of busyness, but the the most impact, I guess, to others and to the world and realized it was this leadership and in particular working with and developing other leaders. And so it was very much a process, again, of just sitting sometimes, sometimes feeling frustrated. And a friend of mine says something, you, you need to sit in the soup. And so I sat in a lot of soup for a while before I feel like in my life, at least God like whispered, like, you're, that's because you're a leader. And I was like, oh, well, then it all made sense, you know, and, and what I was supposed to be doing. And even parenting fell in under that, you know, I'm, you know, as a mom developing our, my young adult men, you know, uh, to be leaders. And, and, well, I think we'll get to this, but leadership defined as influence, not necessarily to lead a company or a, or a country or that type of thing. Now, one thing that I'm wondering as I listen to your story is what kind of advice you have to give to younger people who are still trying to figure out their way in the world, who know that they want to make a difference but are not quite sure what that looks like for them. Uh, yeah, so a couple of things. One, you know, I think our calling can change. I mean, and, and it morphs cer certainly as we go through different life stages, you know, and seasons of life. And, and so, you know, as a young adult, we, lots of time, not much money, you know, not much experience, maybe some education, you know, and then as you get older and get some experience and maybe some wisdom, you know, so I'd say, you know, depending on how young, but try lots of things, find out, you know, what, pay attention to, um, kind of what works, where you're effective, where you feel most fulfilled, and also learn what, what's not, where you just go, oh, I could never do that, 
you know, all the time, or that was the most draining, life-sucking experience, you know, I've ever had. And, um, and just kind of learn through doing, um, not just the skill piece, but like about who you are. And, you know, it's like, if you, are you good working with people? If so, what kind and what context, that type of thing. And um, I think I'd recommend some of the Marcus Buckingham and the Gallup Strengths Finder type stuff, uh, strengths books too. I think those are, are helpful for understanding some of those concepts. So we've just been through calling, joy, and discover, and now that leads us to the word women. What is it about this book that is specifically for women? When people are reading it, what can women expect to get from this book that will help them to understand their particular calling better? Well, one, just um, one, I am a woman, so my perspective and my story. Two, interviewing you know these more than 50 women and hearing their stories and experiences and just, you know, their journey and some of the obstacles they've faced. And I mean, I think, you know, we're in a, in a time in our culture and uh, in history where there's a much greater awareness in the last uh, year to two years about, um, I think, women's challenges, sometimes struggles, um, uh, maybe sometimes opportunities, but a lot of the assumptions we've made about, um, you know, what women can or can't do or, or, or comments that are made to women that just aren't made to men. So, um, you know, it's, uh, like, uh, women will hear, so are you going to, um, you know, stop working when you have a, when you have a baby and don't, nobody asks a man that, you know, and so there's assumptions about that. And I'm not making judgments on the assumptions. I'm just saying there are assumptions that we're starting to address and to be aware of and, you know, equal pay, those types of things. And in the church world, especially, um, historically very male driven um and um and some people would you know for for what they would say biblical and theological reasons so it's a very um you know if a person a woman says i am a leader but they're told no you're not or you should, or that's not okay or not right even you know that's that's a least a lot of internal tension and potentially external tension you know with the people you're around as well and so in the book i you know i just frame it all in light of, you know, what are the unique challenges that women experience, whether it's, you know, how a woman's uh, marriage affects their uh, working out of their calling, like for my husband and me with him being a pastor and, and uh, me also having a graduate, you know, seminary degree, we thought it would have more opportunities for both of us. And instead, sometimes it's curbed or, you know, put lids on for both of us, Um, stuff like that. And so I just, and uh, calling in money, you know, what does that look like as, you know, uh, when is, when are you following stepping out in faith, so to speak? When is it foolishness? What are the concerns for that? You know, parenting and other seasons of life and, and um, balancing, you know, these internal and external voices, how do you deal with those? So that brings us to our fifth and final word, which is leadership. And that's the focus of this book. You mentioned that in your early and mid-30s, you began to feel like you didn't quite fit into the quote-unquote traditional roles. When did you begin to develop your thoughts on leadership and begin to have a real sense that leadership was part of your life and calling? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, so looking back, I... I realize I've always been a leader. Now, of course, as a child, and especially for girls, uh, leaders are bossy. And so I was characterized as bossy, and bossy is a bad thing. And so, um, but as I began to reflect and take away my own, like, judgments of, you know, and these negative connotations, I realized I have some 
abilities in in coordinating and organizing and building teams and and seeing things in the in uh, out in front and how to get there um, those types of things and I had some people when I was a college student say boy you that was a great great leadership and I was like oh oh that that's a good thing or that's what that is you know and and I think it was right at you know I was in college and graduate school right as leadership became really the buzzword, um, certainly lots of leadership literature in corporates, you know, business world, and then applying that to, you know, started to be applied to ministry and to church. And so it was just a completely n- new way of thinking and kind of a, um, I guess, a paradigm shift from what I had grown up with, because leadership then was more about roles. And so you you can be a leader if you're allowed to be in the, you know, permission to have this p- position or title, Kind of thing, and to so to reframe in terms of it's like I said, more of who you are and not just what you do. Uh, I think was a key shift in my thinking, and um, you know, hearing people talk about this idea of stewardship and 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 uh, leadership, servant leadership literature, talking and steward leadership literature. So um, I realized I was drawn to this whole leadership stuff. I realized I had a gift to see things system like systems I see and trajectories. And I began to realize not everybody saw that stuff. And so I realized I had some gifts along those lines. That's kind of a winding answer to your question, but it was very much of a, you know, it was a very much winding process. Now it sounds all neat and tidy, you know, where I've kind of landed, but it was definitely like, wait, what can I do? Can I, who am I? What, you know, how does this work? You've talked around this idea and hinted at your answer to this already, but I'd like to hear from you. What is it that you think leadership is? How do you define it? Because you've already talked about how leadership is not just about what you do. It's also about who you are. So if someone were to come up to you and say, Angie, what is it that you think leadership is? What does it mean to be a leader? Is there a nice, succinct answer that you would be able to give them? There, there is because I teach this. And so I has, in having my students try to come up with a definition, I figured I probably had to do the same work myself. So, I mean, ultimately, leadership is influence. And, but the way I define it, you know, in a classroom, I'll say leadership is influence on people to movement toward a vision. And so there's this influence piece. Um, it can be positive or negative. You know, gang, gang leaders have influence, not necessarily in, you know, positive directions or, or political leaders or, or even our influence, you know, uh, in our friendships. And then so influence on people as opposed to, I kind of think of continu- continuum between leadership and then management kind of in the middle, which is more hands-on a lot of times, and then administration, which not necessarily a people component to that. So there's there's people, and but that could be a corporation or a whole organization or a you know a political entity. It could be a family. It could be uh, just in relationships and a friendship or a one-on-one type of thing. So there's an influence with people that we've been given, um, whether by title or just by personal you know relationship influence. So influence on people to movement. Um, so there's. So if you're just standing there, there's no leadership. There's, there has to be some movement. But again, that could be um, forward, backwards. It could be sideways, but then toward a vision. And so whether that's, um, you know, an organize, organization or whether that's an individual, it's like, here's where we're trying to go. There's some end goal and it could be take the next step. And it could be some people are good at seeing 20 years out and with large, you know, groups of people or, or large systems. So influence on people to movement toward a vision. And in the book, I just talk about leadership being influence. And 
So I'm trying to get beyond this. Well, I'm not a leader because I'm not in charge of, and, and I'm not the top of the organizational chart, uh, that type of thing. It's like, we all, the question is not whether we have influence, but with whom, and again, back to that stewardship and how are we going to steward that influence and, you know, use it for positive, uh, positive ways and for, for good uh, in society and their lives, our lives. And I'm so glad you brought that point up because that is one of the foundational principles of this podcast. Leadership is not just about the roles and the positions that you have, but it's the way that you live your life. And I think the more that people understand that, the more influence they can have in the lives of others and the greater their impact can be in this world. It kind of demystifies or mythologizes. You know, it's like this, uh, and that comes from kind of corporate understanding around the turn of the last, you know, a hundred years ago and, and, you know, uh, you know, these great titans of industry kind of thing, but leadership is much more uh, often, much more organic than that. Absolutely. Now, something that you've mentioned a couple different times is the idea of systems. And like you suggested, it's something that comes easier and more naturally to some than others, but it's such an important thing for leaders to make sure that they have systems in their organizations or in their lives to make sure that things operate more effectively. I know it comes more naturally to you, but do you have any tips for leaders as to how to work systems effectively into their lives? Well, uh, first of all, just there's there's systems everywhere. You're part of, a part of systems and you have influence in those systems and those systems act on us as well. I mean, it's kind of, it goes both ways. Um, you know, in the book, I say that our, you know, God-given calling is lived out in the reality of human systems. So that we just see them everywhere. So, I mean, even in creation, you know, the solar system, you know, and family systems. And, and so the thing about a system is every change changes everything. So there's always ripple effects throughout the system, no matter how large or small, you may not even know where those ripples are coming from. Um, and they create a lot of times emotional responses, but you don't realize. So creating systems, people who, you know, I'm just a highly systematized, I guess, systemized person. You know, I like creating structures, systems. I'm good at it, that type of thing. You know, other people uh, may need more external structure or systems, you know, and so finding the ones that work that are not so burdensome that you just ignore them entirely, you know? Um, but just the, I think the first thing is just that systems are important. Systems can be valuable and helpful. Systems can also be anchors. You know, I work in higher education, hugely bureaucratic, you know, lots of things have been built on top of each other. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to cut through all the red, you know, bureaucratic red tape, that type of thing. So, but just more of an awareness of, of systems that we're not just, individuals. We're part of very complex systems everywhere we are. Now, one other thing that I wanted to bring up that you said at the very beginning of the interview was a recommendation for leaders to sit and rest and not necessarily do anything. And that is, I think, only the second time that's been recommended on this podcast. Doug Hirschberger back in episode 10 talked about it. And I want you, if you would, to share about your own experience with taking a second and sitting back instead of focusing on always doing something. Yeah, well, um, and the book that I recommended was uh, Friedman's Failure of Nerve. And in there, you probably are familiar with this concept of being a non-anxious presence. And so, and back to the whole systems thing, it's so easy to get caught up in the systems we're in and be kind of tossed and turned instead of being uh, and kind of pushing against everything instead of what Friedman says. And I would say being centered and, um, kind of uh, t- 
taking, I think it's Heifetz and uh, Linsky, uh, taking a balcony view and kind of um, uh, trying to be more objective, what's going on here, that type of thing. And the only way you can do that, I think, is by by removing yourself and sitting quietly sometimes and just reflecting. Uh, and then um, there's a book called The Leadership Pipeline I also recommend. And, and um, it kind of talks about people as they move up, for lack of a better word, the ladder within a system. They have to navigate these turns from doing the work to being able to manage people who do the work, you know, to being able to manage managers. And at some point you get to where you're kind of the enterprise manager and you have to spend some time just like sitting and thinking is a part of the job. Um, you move more, uh, more and more further and further away from the doing. You still have to do some of the doing, but there needs to be a point where you kind of recenter, refocus, regain perspective. And so that's why, you know, even 10 minutes a day, which seems like an eternity, if you're a, you know, high doer, you know, type A, D on the disc, whatever you want to use, you know, one on the Enneagram, um, it just gives you a perspective to, to get away and to do that. And I think it's just absolutely essential for, for good leadership. Well, Angie, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Now, before you go, is there anything that you would like to reiterate to the audience or something that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet that you would like to leave the listeners with? Uh, not really. Just that, I mean, leadership flows from who you are, not what you do. And the more we can sit with that and become a non-anxious presence, aware of our own emotions and you know baggage and stuff we bring into stuff, I think there's tremendous... Um, power in a good way uh, in a, and a very attractive in a, a centered leader. People are just drawn to those type of people. And so I'd encourage listeners to continue to work toward being that type of person. Angie, where can people go to learn more about you and your work and your book that's coming out at the beginning of March? The best place is my website, which is uh, kind of the central uh, you know, HQ for everything. And it's angieward.net. Uh, that'll take you links for the book, social media, what I'm, you know, what I've written or I'm working on. Uh, there you can also subscribe. I do a weekly learning links email that just, uh, you know, lots of things that I've read through the week, just links, a couple simple links and people really like that. So you could check that out as well. Well, Angie, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So the first of today's takeaways for me was that leadership is about who you are more than your position. I really like this concept. It's something that, as I said in the interview, has been a foundational principle for the podcast since the beginning, and I really like it when leaders bring that up because a lot of people are looking to get that position, but leadership is not just about a position. It's about how you live your life and how you influence the people around you. The second thing is that leadership involves movement toward a vision. This is something that Angie included in her definition of leadership, and I love it because it means that leaders need to not only be able to move people somewhere, but they need to know where they're moving them. They need to lead them toward a vision. And the final thing is related to the second point, and that is make sure that you take time to step back and figure out what your vision actually is. And you can do this by following Angie's recommendation to Sit back, take a rest, take time to think, take time to walk, take time to get away from the busyness and chaos and make sure that you are centered and aware of who you are, what you're doing and where you're going. Because when you do that, you're able to be a better leader. I hope that you enjoyed today's interview and I hope that you will pre-order Angie's book on Amazon so that you can get it whenever it comes out on March 3rd. We'll see you back here on Monday and until then, keep living and leading well.
Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.